0: In today's episode, we're going to hear from a general contractor who dug up something unexpected. Then we're going to Farmington, Connecticut and learn what someone saw on the way home from a Christmas party. And let's just say it wasn't Santa Claus. And finally, we travel to Black Hills, South Dakota, where a father and son go camping and have a very serious encounter. But before we get to the stories, if you enjoy my content, then hit that like button and subscribe if you want to become part of the Dread Army. Now let's get to the stories. Hi Donovan, I came across your channel while doing some paranormal research on things that have happened to me recently. It is both terrifying and comforting to know that a lot of people in your world have had similar occurrences to mine. After binging your channel to find cases like my own, I figured it's only fair that I contribute to the channel and share what happened to me. Maybe this will help someone else make sense of their own paranormal occurrence. I'm a general contractor. I started in construction after high school and worked my way up over the years. I'm no master at anything in particular, but I can just build about anything after years of working on different jobs. I started up my own company about seven years ago. Every contractor has a few weird stories. Any job that involves working with the public, especially in their homes. Is bound to expose you to strange situations, but few contractors have stories bordering on the paranormal. Lucky me. It started out normal. I was hired to install a new septic tank for a young couple who just bought their first home. This was before housing prices skyrocketed, but they were still very budget conscious. The place was an old turn-of-the-century farmhouse that was in pretty bad shape, They bought the old house thinking they could use the money they saved to fix it up. I've seen this happen a lot with younger people. Trendy social media videos and HGTV make millennials think that they can buy a fixer-upper and make it their own. They quickly realize that it takes more than a plucky attitude to do major renovations. It pissed me off at first. I felt insulted that so many kids thought my job was so easy that they could do it without any training. But then I realized how much money I was making when they found out they bit off more than they could chew. So I made my peace with it. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Creepy old farmhouse equals standard ghost encounter. But I never actually stepped foot inside the house. I was digging in the backyard to install the septic tank when I made an unfortunate discovery. Bones. And a lot of them. Nine times out of ten when you dig up a bone, it belongs to an animal. But, if I'm ever in doubt, I call the police and report it immediately. It's illegal to continue to dig at a site that may have human remains, and I don't make it a habit of risking my contractor's license. The cops came. The forensic team confirmed the bones were human, and a special crime scene excavation team dug the rest of the bones without disturbing their placement. Over two dozen skeletons were arranged in two circles, one inside the other surrounding a large elk skull in the center. The forensic team said the bones were a few hundred years old, at least early colonial times, but probably even earlier. It was clear that the burial site was not normal based on the arrangement of the bodies, and there were clear scrape marks on most of their neck bones. The forensic team said it indicated the victims had their throats slit. The whole site looked like some kind of sacrificial ritual. I didn't think on it too much more. History is fascinating, but I was more concerned with them finishing up the excavation so I could get back to work on the septic tank and get paid. But that night, something strange happened. I knew it was a dream instantly, which is strange because I never had that happen before. I was in my room, but there was no ceiling. I saw stars above me, but they were strange colors and moving around erratically. Then, an antlered figure appeared in the room and circled around me. He or it had markings all over its body. I don't know if they were tattoos or paint, but they twisted up and around his body in deliberate patterns. He wasn't showing any signs of aggression, but his presence was menacing. He just kept circling me. His face was stern but confused. Then, in the blink of an eye, he shoved me hard in the chest and knocked me back into my bed. I woke up with a pain in my chest. I shrugged off the nightmare but I had a red mark in the shape of a hand on my chest. That was a lot harder to shrug off. The entire time I drove to the work site, I had a feeling of uneasiness. When I got there, the owner came out to see me, and there was a moving truck in the driveway. He was clearly upset about something, and I knew exactly what he was thinking. He said he didn't want to dig the septic tank anymore, and that he was planning on selling his place anyway. I asked him why he didn't call me. He shook his head and said he was sorry, and that he completely forgot about the septic tank. He looked really shaken up. I asked him if he had a nightmare. His eyes went wide, but he tried to play it off. We stood there for a minute in silence. I could tell he wanted to say something, but couldn't. I would have left it at that, but I noticed a bruise around his arm, like someone had grabbed him roughly. He noticed me staring at his arm. Did you see him, he asked me. Yeah, I responded. I unbuttoned my shirt to show him the handprint on my chest. He looked astonished and then oddly relieved. He didn't say anything else after that. He just nodded to me and I left. Part of me wanted to ask for details to compare his dream to mine, but I thought it best to let sleeping dogs lie. It might be a little anticlimactic, but the kid clearly didn't want to talk about it. I try not to drive at night anymore, especially not during the winter. Just something about the headlights bouncing off the snow that reminds me of the terror I felt that night. It's supposed to be a happy time of year. Everyone is warm and cozy and enjoying time with their families. I was actually coming home from our corporate Christmas party. I work in Farmington, Connecticut, but live on the outskirts. I'm just far enough to be away from the noise and the pollution. There's a lot of farmland and some people own property out here for hunting. It's a longer commute, but it's worth it to me. I've thought about moving back to the city. Maybe that would help my paranoia. I don't know exactly what I saw. I've read descriptions that are similar to it, but I feel like it's impossible to know for sure. It was big. Way too big to be a person. It was moving on the side of the road, fully illuminated by my headlights and their reflection off the snowbanks. Its legs were way too long to be any normal person. Imagine the tallest basketball player you've ever seen. It was like that, but another five feet taller. The steps it took were so big, it felt like it could keep pace with my car. Of course, that could have been because I had subconsciously taken my foot off the gas, entranced and stunned by what I was seeing. As my car coasted closer to whatever it was, I began to be able to make out more of its features. Its muscles were huge, and its shoulders were enormous. Coasting closer allowed me to see its hands, too. They were the size of a large pizza. In one of its massive hands, it grasped something bloody. I couldn't tell exactly what it was. Maybe a deer limb or something. A white bone jutted out of the mass of fur and blood. Something red and oozing trailed behind the massive figure. At this point, I realized I wasn't accelerating. I was absolutely terrified. I couldn't think or breathe, and my brain struggled to figure out how to get my foot back on the gas pedal. I was coasting dangerously close to this monster, close enough to see the winter wind blowing its hair. Its hair was thick and coarse, like a bear. I went to a bear sanctuary once and had a chance to pet a cub. Its hair was so coarse and black. It looked just like this bear cub's hair, but I knew for sure this was no bear. Bears are square shaped and have stubby arms and legs. They have a snout and little round ears. This creature had a triangular humanoid torso, and its limbs weren't anything near stubby. Its arms were as probably long as my entire body, and one of its hands was still grasping that bloody, fleshy mass. My foot found the gas just as I pulled alongside this beast. I couldn't jam the pedal down fast enough. The beast turned its face towards me, and I saw its eyes. They were these big, black, beady eyes. Its face was vaguely humanoid. The lower jaw jetted out several inches from its upper lip, which was huge. The nostrils of its small, flat nose flared, as if it were picking up my scent. It had a heavy brow, which its wide, black eyes peered out from underneath. As we made eye contact, it gave a sharp jerk of its head. Its body turned towards me and its lips parted, revealing these huge, yellow teeth. I punched the gas pedal to the floor. My wheels spun a little on the icy road as I tried to escape. My eyes should have been on the road, but I couldn't peel them away from the rearview mirror. It seemed like the monster tried to run after me, but it soon disappeared into the darkness. When I got home, I could hardly convince myself to get out of the car. I have a small carport that is a few feet from my door. I literally only need to take six steps, but that felt like the most terrifying thing I could imagine. I was positive that if I stepped outside the safety of my car, I'd immediately get snatched and become a bloody mass it gripped in its massive hand. I finally got the courage up and sprinted to my front steps. I fumbled a lot with my keys and even dropped them. Every second my heart beat faster and my head swiveled back and forth, checking to see if this 12-foot mass was approaching me. As soon as I got in my house, I slammed the door and locked it. I shoved the couch in front of the front door and my dining table in front of the back door. I didn't have any weapons in my house, just a can of pepper spray. I didn't sleep much that night, or the next. In fact, I've had a lot of trouble sleeping every night since. Like I said, I try not to drive at night anymore. I try not to go out at all at night. I put my trash out long before the sun sets, and I also bought a shotgun from a local farmer, just in case this thing ever finds me. I went on a camping trip with my father in the Black Hills of South Dakota. The first sign of trouble came around dusk. It had been a pretty warm day, so we waited until the sun started setting to begin our fire and prepare our dinner. Dad set the cast iron over the flame, getting it ready to cook the walleye we had caught and fillet it earlier. It wasn't long until an awful rotting flesh smell overtook the campsite. At first, we thought maybe the fish had somehow gone bad but when we checked the fish for a closer sniff, it was clear that the smell wasn't coming from there. We hadn't encountered that smell all day long, not even in the warmest part of the day, when you would think a rotting carcass would be at its worst. Even still, we decided to search the area for any evidence of an animal down and decaying nearby. It would be just our luck to have set up camp near a rotting animal. We walked up and down all the nearby trails, sniffing and looking. But to no avail there were no rotting corpses that we could find and even stranger the rotting smell seemed to get stronger and stronger no matter where we went it was as if the entire forest itself was rotting away all it was as if the entire forest itself was rotting away all around us what we did find and found kind of strange were deeply embedded hoof prints that seemed to belong to a very large deer my dad was especially awestruck by this, having worked with fish in game parks most of his life, and have never seen deer-type prints of that size before. We eventually decided to make our way to the camp, since we hadn't been able to figure out the source of the nasty smell anyway. By that time, it was getting dark out. The smell, of course, only continued to get worse, despite there being no obvious source. When we returned to the campsite, we pulled the fish back out of the cooler and cooked it up. But by that time, neither of us had much of an appetite. As we sat around the fire, poking around at our plates trying to avoid any and all discussion of the surrounding smell, I began to hear something moving around in the far-off brush. Listen, do you hear that? I asked Dad. Whatever it was, was sizable enough to be snapping what sounded to be large branches as it moved through the trees. Dad shrugged. There's nothing too dangerous about these parts, he said. He was trying to reassure me, but I could tell from his face and the sound of his voice that he was actually a little spooked himself. I thought about asking him if he wanted to pack up and leave early. I was hoping he would say yes, but we were both putting on a good act for each other of pretending we were fine. I was afraid to outright ask him, though, because if I was wrong about him being afraid, I didn't want to look like I was wussing out on our trip. What the hell? My dad then yelled. I nearly jumped out of my camp chair. He was staring over my shoulder back into the woods. I turned, and that's when I saw it myself. At first, it looked like a dead tree branch is moving around from side to side, back in the trees, about seven feet off the ground. It was dark, and the moon's light was reflecting right off the pointed sticks for us to see them. One might have thought it was the wind blowing through a dead tree, except there wasn't much of a breeze at all that night, and the movement wasn't in any kind of rhythmic pattern. It seemed to be moving independently from anything else, and all on its own. Who's out there? my dad yelled. I'm not sure what it is he thought someone was doing to cause a tree to move in such a way. But what happened next had us both running up the trail for the jeep. All at once this figure raised another full foot into the air. Through the darkness shone a pair of glowing yellow eyes. Only when the eyes came into view did we realize that we were staring into what appeared to be a large deer's skull with antlers attached. But it was at least eight feet off the ground at this point, probably closer to nine. We dropped everything and ran as fast and as hard as we could, back towards the jeep. We didn't even bring our gear. Once inside, we agreed to head to the hot springs for the night and get a hotel. We'd come back for the gear in the morning when it was light out. We spent the whole night at the hotel wide awake, talking about what we had seen and hoping that it wasn't real. Being a game fish and parks guy, my dad's initial hypothesis was that it was simply an elderly buck suffering from wasting disease, a sort of a neurological disease for deer that is common in the area and can cause deer to take on a zombie-like appearance. Ultimately, this is what we decided we'd seen, and we figured we both just became spooked in the dead of the night and got jittery from not eating. The next day though, when we returned to the campsite, that hypothesis was thrown to the wayside. Whatever we had seen had found our site and completely torn apart our tents, and snuffed out the fire, and tossed everything we had on the forest floor. In the midst of the mess, there was a set of hoof prints at least 10 inches, front to back, all over the campsite. And that's only one set, mind you, not two. Whatever had been there was walking on two feet. I don't think we'll be back to the hills anytime soon. Let me know what you think about these stories in the comments below. Also, make sure to check out DreadsArmy.com, where you'll find all of my stories and multiple strange and weird news posted every single day. If you want to be part of the discussion, check out the forums on DreadsArmy. We also have a Facebook group so you don't miss out on any updates. Thanks and take care.